Hey everyone, I'm Father Roderick, and I'm so glad you're listening to my weekly show, this weekly podcast, and I've been doing this since 2005, but uh, every once in a while I'll still make mistakes, like starting the recording without checking my battery levels. Oh well, I guess we keep learning as long as we live. <laughs> this episode of the show is brought to you advertisement-free thanks to my patrons, and I want to welcome two new patrons, or actually three new patrons in, in this month of February. Um, Arlet, Tim, and Ramona have all joined the community of uh, patrons over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick, and I'm so glad you're helping me out and helping me do what I love doing most, and that is to create shows for you to listen to or to watch if you're watching this on Facebook. Um, by the way, that's a tip for you if you've only been listening to the to the audio version of this show. Well, of course, that is kind of the the, the primary product that I'm that I'm making. Uh, but if you want to see what it actually looks like, uh, me recording a show, and it's basically me, just me talking into a microphone. So I, I'm not sure about the extra value, but um, just make sure you're subscribed to my Facebook page. And if so, then whenever I go live, there should be a message, I think, or perhaps you should like uh, indicate to Facebook that you want to have these updates when I go live. Um, you'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the news. So much happened. You know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. It's been an amazing week. Uh, a crazy week also. I talk about it at length in my other show, The Walk, so I uh, I can recommend that if you want to have a more uh, full update about what happened. But just to summarize it, my mom was hospitalized suddenly with uh, heart problems. She had two blocked arteries. She has undergone uh, um, an angioplasty, and two stents were placed. She's now home recovering. Still not the symptoms that brought her to the hospital have not really subsided yet. The pain in the chest is gone, but she still is very short of breath. So, well, let's continue to pray for her and hopefully she'll be okay. That event, of course, dominated everything else. You drop everything when 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 something like that happens. Um, I had to kind of <laughs> recover the, the, the damage or try to compensate for the damage done um, by working for the entire weekend and I've had a very busy Monday as well. I'm recording this actually in overtime. It's now uh, what is it? A quarter to seven. So actually, formally I should already be home. But then, yeah, I promised you that I would deliver these shows on a weekly basis and it's mm, one of the most important things that I do. So that's why I'm still sitting here and I'll just have to uh, eat a little bit later. Um, of course, also in the news this week is the big Vatican meeting about abuse, which is dominating the headlines, especially the Catholic headlines. And of course, also the publication of this um, very shocking French book about uh, the, the situation in the Vatican, many people living a double life, double standards, etc., etc. Also, that is something I address in, in, in this week's episode of The Walk. I also add a few of my own experiences in, in, that I had while I was living and studying in Rome. So you may want to check that out as well. Short update, because we need to go over to the news when it comes to movies and TV shows. There is uh, also some interesting news about Star Wars that I want to 
begin with. Of course, always spoiler-free. You never have to worry about this. I'll keep this general. But I also have some very good feedback from uh, my good friend Luis Escobar about, and I think he, he found the reason that I actually dislike sometimes these superhero movies, especially the, the, the DC ones that have been coming out. And, and I think he nails it. So we'll talk about that as well. But first, the jingle, of course. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. All right, Star Wars. Spoiler free. Don't worry. Um, We of course, are still waiting for the title of this episode nine that will be in theaters later this year. I can't believe that we're again living in a year of Star Wars uh, and Star Wars around Christmas time. It's going to be super cool. Um, but we know virtually nothing about this movie except for the fact that J.J. Abrams is uh, at the helm and that they just wrapped up principal shooting. Um, I actually thought that they had done that year uh, years ago, <laughs> a long time ago. But J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, recently posted a photo of uh, Oscar Isaac and uh, John Boyega and uh, I was going to say Natalie Portman, but... <laughs> um, uh, Ray, um, come on, help me out here. I'm blanking out. But anyway, the three main main actors uh, wrapping things up and, and all looking uh, very similar to the way they looked in the previous two movies. So uh, there's a lot of continuity. But that that's all we know, that they wrapped up shooting. What is it the movie going to be about? Uh, well, uh, we have a little tidbit that reassures us as fans, not that I'm worried about the movie, but but it's always good to hear a little bit about the experiences of some of the actors. And in this case, we have a quote from Oscar Isaac about his experience on the set. Um, and he says this, the way they've been shooting it right now, Daisy Ridley, that doesn't that always work like that? You're, you're trying to to mention something and then it's on the tip of your tongue and then you're like, ah, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, it's almost as sometimes when I'm typing on my computer and, and Windows is busy installing something in the background, you type something and then nothing appears on the screen. And then it's like, what? Okay, what's going on? And, and then you, you retract your hands and all of a sudden as by magic, you see the phrase being typed on the screen. That's kind of how my brain works from time to time. Do I have a Microsoft brain? Is it installing something in the background? I hope not. <laughs> anyway, so Daisy Ridley. Um, I was I was quoting Oscar Isaac. The way they've been shooting it right now is looser than it's been for the last two times, Isaac told IndieWire. It does feel like a relief to get on set and feel like, oh, we can try things. It's a testament to JJ coming back and feeling confident. There is less pressure for it to be right. We just want to make a good movie and having and have a really good time while doing it. Often you do feel like you've got to find your way to make something more alive, but this time it's been the opposite. There's no need to smuggle anything in there. So that's a very interesting uh, and, and revelatory quote there. Also, when it comes to the previous two movies, so apparently those were very strictly directed, and uh, of course that a lot depends on it. Disney is also known for having a tight grip on, on things. Um, 
But we know that one of the best Star Wars movies, if not the best, uh, The Empire Strikes Back, was so good because the actors got so much leeway to try out stuff and to uh, also bring in much more of their own take on these characters that they know so well. And uh, Kashner was a director that actually encouraged the actors to to bring improvements and and, and in, in that sense uh, the, the prequels in a certain way were more uh, were kind of going backwards in directing style uh, George Lucas is a micromanager even in post-production he used to kind of he would take the the blinking of the eyes from take one and the the lips moving from take two and the ears from take three and then blend that digitally together that is not how you get the best performances so it's it's good to know that JJ feels confident about this movie and apparently they have this this leeway this this margin in filming this uh, this thing so that they can try to make a good film and and what i think what oscar isaac says and what you also see in this last photo from the set when they, during the, the the day they wrapped up filming um is that they they have bonded together this is a this is a there is chemistry between these actors, and that is something that we, I already noticed in the first movie. I think it was kind of less present in the second movie because they were kind of their storylines were so going in different directions. Um, I, but I think the chemistry is essential to Star Wars. Star Wars is about friendship in space, strangely enough. It's not, not really about wars. It's about the friendship that makes the heroes overcome the perils of wars through their their bond, their bonding, and and what made the original Star Wars movie so good was this this triangle, you know, Luke and Leia and Han, and and the characters having this this common story, but also the actors bonding on on a personal level, and that is what made them last so long, and that's why now we we love to see these these characters come back, and I'm so happy that they were able to still bring back Leia for this third movie, uh, despite uh, uh, Car uh, Carrie Fisher's death. Um, it is a testament to the quality of their chemistry that we want to see them back on the screen. And so it's good to see that with this these, this new cast of characters, they have been able to to reach that as well. So eh, I'm, I'm having a very good feeling about this, uh, this movie. Um, Oh, wait, His, he also says something about uh, the fan expectations. I need to quote that, too. Um, you know, there's been a lot of cranky internet talk about uh, The Last Jedi, and you may be among the people that dislike the movie. You know my take on it. I think it was a really good movie. Um, but what about this next one? Well, Oscar Isaac says, luckily, uh, since I'm not directing it or producing it or distributing it, I don't have to worry so much about fan expectations, Isaac said. Also, not all fans have the same expectations. That's very true. People had very strong feelings, but there wasn't as much of an organized way to speak out about it. People that run blogs and websites need content, he added. So it's like, well, there's some, there's some content. Five people on Twitter complaining, hundreds, whatever it is, and then you make it into a story. Well, I think, yeah, you have to be careful with this because you always want to also listen to the people that complain. Um, but, yeah. It's it's I think necessary relativization of uh, of of some of the um, stories that you read on on Star Wars and this 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 is the end of Star Wars and eh, no 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 don't worry um, while we're waiting for for these spaceships of uh, the ninth Star Wars movie to uh, to grace uh, our our imagine uh, our, our world and our imagination 
I'm always looking for new science fiction, and I've I kind of was looking for The Expanse. I've seen the first uh, uh, season, and for some reason, I just didn't have time to watch the next season. It was on Netflix, and all of a sudden, I was like, "But where? Wait a minute, where's The Expanse?" And it was gone. That's one of the frustrating things of these subscription services. Sometimes they will just delete a series entirely, or the rights. The, uh, um, uh, fall back to the owner and and then they're you, you can't watch it anymore. Uh, so in, in that sense, all these digital subscription services are not a real replacement for owning the movie on 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 let's say on Blu-ray or something like that. But eh, yeah, so it ended up on Netflix, on not on Netflix, but on Amazon Prime. And fortunately, I still have Amazon Prime because, well, I've been ordering uh, some stuff on on the German Amazon store, also for the work that we do here. And then if, if you don't have to pay uh, shipping, that actually makes kind of pays pays back Amazon Prime for itself. So I get the the, the free uh, uh, television service um as a bonus. Now, Amazon Prime in the Netherlands is really terrible. It is it's deplorable. I mean, I can't believe that they're even they're, they're not even trying. There are like 10 movies and a couple of TV series, most of them are not that good, and then, then there is the occasional good thing. Parks and Rec is good and then they have uh the uh the the Man in the High Castle and they used to have all the Avatar animated series, and now they've deleted the first season. I didn't have time to watch it yet. So it was like, why? They only have season two and three. That doesn't make sense. But anyway, so they do have the expense. So I started watching season two. I have to say, I like season two much better than the first season. The first season was like, I was always wondering, what is going on, really? It was a bit confusing. It was... I, I, I just couldn't really remember who is who and what was going on and and but now at the second uh beginning of the second season it's like okay i i kind of think i have the basic plot lines there's still a, the occasional plot line where it's like uh wait a minute what what were they what was their position and relationship to the guys on mars and everything but it is easier to follow and it looks good it feels good it's, yeah i like it i'm used also to the characters now so hopefully this will be another good season. I hear good things about season three as well. Then, while I was browsing uh, uh, the uh, both Netflix and uh, 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 Amazon Prime, I came. Uh, I, I saw a movie there that I enjoyed tremendously when it came out. It's like let's rewatch it, and it's The Net with Sandra Bullock. It's this thriller, and kind of the premise was there was this. Internet. I don't think do they call it the internet in the movie itself. This was in the early days of the internet, and then uh, it was also about yeah you know, the internet is connecting people, and it was kind of a pretext to just do a thriller. But I I remember that as a still a pretty modern movie that was about internet. You look at that now, and it's like watching like an ancient documentary about ancient civilizations on the History Channel. Really. It just makes you realize how much has changed in such a short time, 1995. I mean, that's, to me, that sounds not not so long ago. Some of you weren't even born. It's always hard for me to remember. I'm from 1968. 
So for me, you know what's old? You know what's a long time ago? That's the moon landing. And I, I saw that as a baby. My, my parents made me watch it on TV. But, but that is a long time ago. But, but 1995, oh my goodness. I, I, that was a year before I was ordained a priest. And that seemed like yesterday. But you look at that movie and then you see these computers, like huge monitors with tiny screens and the floppy drives. And then they insert the floppy drive and then you hear the whirring and it takes like like a minute to download five or to, to trans, transfer like five kilobytes. Like That takes a minute. <laughs> and they're like, oh, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> and now we're like, oh. Well, if I have a USB drive and it's not USB 3 and it doesn't have a throughput of, what is it, like 100 megabits per second, <laughs> it's like unbelievable how much has changed. And it's kind of to the detriment of this movie. It's like the other the other movie that I rewatched a while ago is the War Games, where you have these kids and they think they're playing, a, uh, they hack into a computer and they think they're playing a game. They're actually almost unleashing a, a nuclear war with Russia. And... That is even older as um, uh, technology-wise. But that movie holds up story-wise. It is still very watchable. Um, the net, not so much. It's kind of it's it's also fun to see like Sandra Bullock in her early years. It's kind of one of those uh, box office hits that made her the star that she is right now. But uh, yeah crazy um then i also watched because of a lot of recommendations uh the first few episodes of russian doll which is a series on netflix um short episodes like half an hour long and i thought they said it's kind of like a, a um, grittier version of groundhog day now i love groundhog day of course one of the best movies ever made um and it's this this lady who keeps dying at the end of her day and then she is back at the beginning, so she relives the day. I have to say, maybe a good plot, but I was taken aback by the vulgarity of that series. There's just so much swearing and language and and and, and uh, adult themes themes in there. It's ugh. as much as I love being in the in the universe of Groundhog Day. In that little town where every morning you wake up with the same song and rise and shine. <laughs> and, and there is definitely Groundhog Day is a moral story. And in this, in, 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 in Russian Doll, it's like, it's so, 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 I don't know, empty. And, and I've not finished the series, so it may get better over time. But I was really put off by the first few episodes. And like, I don't know if I want to watch this. It doesn't spark joy. <laughs> so why should I? So anyway, hmm, I'm kind of reserved about that. Can't recommend it yet. And then I want to go to <clears throat> the the topic of superhero movies. Um, something I talk about a lot, and and someone who's always reacting to my comments, especially about the the, the DC um, movies, is Luis Escobar. And and well, let me just read his. Uh, comment on on facebook because i think he discovered something that i didn't realize so this is a reaction to my review of aquaman and if you remember was i wasn't very positive about aquaman he said yeah you finally got to see aquaman and we got your opinion on it rather than someone else's i must agree with you about some of the fights in aquaman they kind of dragged on and felt like they stopped the movie i thought the same thing about some of the fights in infinity war too 
However, I loved both movies in spite of those flaws. I also liked both movies in spite of their flawed uh, special effects. And I didn't like Aquaman because Jason Momoa is hot. I liked it for a lot of fanboy reasons I won't get into here. It's kind of like the difference, of course. I don't have that... I'm not a fanboy because those comics were not available to us in here in Europe. And so I didn't grow up with them and haven't read them. I've never... I, I vaguely remember seeing an Aquaman character, perhaps in just random... I don't even remember the context. It's probably one of the comics that I read when I was staying with the Willitses uh, because um, uh, Greg Willits is, is a DC guy. Um so he made me read some of those comics, but thats I, I didn't know much about it. Let me continue what Luis writes. That said, at the end of the day, as much as I want superhero movies to be deep, and some of them are, like Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and Black Panther, uh, they're really only about one thing, fighting. Like martial arts movies, the story is only there as an excuse to see fighting. Going into a superhero movie and going... Well, they fight too much is like going to a WWE pro wrestling show and going, well, they fight too much. Both pro wrestling and the superhero genres are about watching half-naked, super-buff people beat each other up. Only in the superhero genre they have powers. Only in the superhero genre they have powers. It doesn't matter if they're both good guys or bad guys or teams or whatever. The story is only there as an excuse to watch a fight happen. That's it. Spidey is on his way to a date and Green Goblin shows up, so they fight. Clark is reporting on an event and bad guys attack and so Superman has to show up and fight. That's it. It's about fighting. The moment you get that, it's the moment you watch or read the story knowing what you're getting into. I shared an office with a board artist who hated superhero movies because uh, he felt they were all the same. A bunch of people fighting. I said, yeah, because that's what the genre is. It's what it's always been. Infinity War is about Thanos getting a bunch of shiny rocks so that the Marvel superheroes can fight him. Marvel movies just have a lot more talking about fighting than actual fighting, which is why all my kids find the Marvel movies boring. <laughs> you taught them well. Um, it's very possible that you may not like the genre. You seem not to like the fighting. Exactly. I think that's it. I'll... I'll Finish reading your comments and then I'll comment on that. In the Titans TV show, you stopped watching as soon as the fighting started because it wasn't cartoony in a fun way. It was cartoony as in over-the-top harsh way. It wasn't glamorized the way Marvel does, unless you're watching Daredevil on Netflix, which is also, I don't really care for the Netflix series. DC makes it feel like something bad, which it is. That's the point of Titans. Robin, uh, played by Dick Grayson, uh, has been raised to be harsh and brutal by Batman, a harsh and brutal man. The show is about, that's probably why I don't care for Batman. The show is about him and Raven, Rachel, who are dealing with the evil inside themselves. All the Titans are, but especially Dick and Rachel, since Rachel is the daughter of the demon, of a, of a demon. But by coming together as a team, they begin to heal each other. Oh, interesting. That said, the show is extremely brutal, and it's still about fighting. It doesn't glamorize the violence. It makes you feel it. So yeah, next time you watch a superhero movie, Marvel or DC, make a note that the genre is really simply an excuse to watch superpowered people in spandex punch each other in, a f in the face using spectacular and extremely fake-looking special effects.
One more thing concerning the running time of Aquaman movie. Infinity War was 20 minutes longer than Aquaman. Black Panther was five minutes shorter. I guess none of those movies tell a good story because they're too long. All right, let, let me address that last remark. I don't mind movies being long, but if they drag on, and in this case, Aquaman, there was definitely a pacing problem. Just if not not keeping into account my own issues with fighting in, in those movies. But I just felt there was a pacing issue, and that's directing, that's editing. And I can say that from the... I'm, I'm editing stuff myself, so I, I, I would pace it differently. But eh, if it's catering to people who just just give me more fighting, then yeah, that's fine. I got bored. <laughs> and uh, Black Panther, same thing, maybe a little shorter, but Black Panther was one of those Marvel movies where I did watch my watch all the time. It's like, okay, let's let's move on. And Infinity War, it's kind of, there was so much setup and you care so much for those characters that I kind of forgive the fighting. So, because, because I care for the characters. But I think that Louise touched upon something very... Um, uh, essential of the genre and I I did not realize it that is it's all about the fighting and I know that I don't like fighting I don't like the brutality I don't like uh uh people hurt each other and I think this probably has very deep roots in my own youth um where I was almost always the victim of the fighting I would get beat up in school I would get the bullies always targeted me because I was the, the weaker link, I couldn't defend myself, I, I was not good at any sports. I was kind of more the guy that liked to be creative and draw and sit in a corner. I was introverted, I was shy, I, uh, I'd love to be by myself, and I, I had to socialize in school. But I never really, I was, I was, I was awkward, I was a nerd. And so I would get beaten up, and that is probably why very deep inside, I did not like the fighting genre. And the reason that I still love superhero, the superhero genre, and my, the reason that I was always, even as a child, fascinated by Superman was I could imagine myself being the superhero who didn't need to be beaten up because he was invincible. And that I could be stronger than those bullies. And I can, as Superman, I could just, you know, make them disappear. But for me, the attraction was that superhero, that Superman was someone who could rid the world of evil and of evildoers and of bullies. Whereas Batman, not that I really knew much about Batman as a child, but that was just guy who was just dark and just was always dealing with his own issues and kind of very self-centered in a certain way. And um, and Superman was so much more cheerful, brighter, and 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 the the. You know, the first Superman hero, the moments that I remember was not the fighting. You know what, what the scene was that for me was iconic, the, 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 these first Superman movies that I saw, like the classic ones? It was Christopher Reeve as Superman uh, bridging the gap between the rail tracks, and then the train would pass over his back. That, that is the, the image that I remember from that movie. You need superhero uh, strength to do that. But the fighting, I don't even remember the fight. You know what? Another scene that I remembered and, and I, like, I empathized with and I wanted to be Superman in that scene was the, this, the scene where he carries uh, uh, Lois Lane when she falls off the, of the, the skyscraper or the whatever. 
and and he's carrying her upwards, and you have the can you and she's he's flying with her. I love the flying. It's like, <gasps> I. I was like, as a child, I was always falling in love with these beautiful actresses. And <laughs> and I was like, oh, I want to be Superman. I want to be flying around with that beautiful girl. And and the honestly, I don't remember any fighting in those in those Superman movies. So, you see, that's that was my mindset. So what I love about the superhero genre are the superheroes that have fun and yeah a little bit of fighting not too much and it's usually when the real fighting start between the bad guys I was like oh, okay let's get this over with and uh, you mentioned or Louise mentions the the wrestling genre that is something that is truly a genre which I have totally no not one single atom in my being likes that or can even appreciate that. I've I've seen there was a time years ago, I think I was in seminary, when when all of a sudden there was all the rage and even on Dutch TV they would show these these wrestling matches. And I, I remember seeing that and it's just wrecking my brain. I was like, what what is this? What, what? it's not even real fighting. It's not boxing. This is like fake looking people, like sometimes ridiculously looking people do, doing fake fighting. And then there's actually there's a lot of thousands of people, thousands of people watching that and cheering them on, and you know that it's all fake. And and it was so over the top. And these guys, mostly, most of them, were so like, okay, what's the point of this? And they're like, eh, <laughs> whatever. Okay, I've got more important things to do. So I totally never ever understood that genre. And again, I'm not condemning those who like it. That's good for you, but like I have no, I yeah, not my thing at all. I'd, I'd rather eat Brussels sprouts than watching a, a pro wrestling match. Um, and then the other fighting genres, kung fu movies, like the the Bruce Lee stuff. I never ever watch that. It's like even the fighting in the James Bond movies, like like uh, can we get to the gadgets? That that appealed to my inner nerd, you know, and the romantic stuff and the funny stuff. That's what I wanted in 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 James Bond. And as soon as the Bond movies got grittier, especially the the, the recent batch, I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure I like this. Oh, give me back the funny James Bond, you know? Do do the do the Roger Moore. And I know, of course, Roger Moore is extremely corny if you look at now. But but as a kid, as a teenager, I really liked. Roger Moore, James Bond, because it was more about the humor, didn't take himself seriously, and the fighting was kind of like, yeah, we got to do some fighting, but let's not do too much of it. So, Luis, I think you you nailed it. This is probably why there is a a cultural divide between me and some of not all of them, but some of those superhero movies because they're catering to a totally different audience that has different needs, different expectations. And I'm going in there, hope, hoping always for this, give me back these superheroes that I can, uh, that I can empathize with, that I want to be. I'm, I'm really um, looking forward to the Shazam movie because the Shazam is like, that, that is me as a teenager. Like, I wish that I could be Shazam. So, and I love that trailer. That was like, oh, and that's DC. Oh my goodness. That is what I want to see. So I, th- I think that is the solution. And, and it will help me 
discern in the future which ones I should check out and which ones I should just leave behind. It's it's when there's when the emphasis in the trailer is a lot on fighting, then it's not catering to me. It's not aimed at me. If it is funny and I'm laughing out loud, and that's why I love the last Spider-Man movie so much because it's so. So it's funny, and this guy. I see when I see uh, Spider Man, I'm I'm also kind of looking at back at my own youth, where I I was a bit awkward like that, and I probably I've never read Spider Man uh, comics when I was a child, but I can totally understand that my 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 nephew Ezra is is loves Spider Man because it, 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 he's like that's me, and I think that that's why I like the, that movie as well. Anyway, so. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's been very helpful. And, well, I, good for you. Good for your kids that they love the fighting. I don't think I'll I'll change. I, I, I'll, I'll probably never appreciate it. And it's like soccer. Lots of people in my life around me. Soccer is super popular here in the Netherlands. And I, I get bored after five minutes. And <laughs> I'd rather watch tennis. And they're like, what, tennis, that's so boring. Yeah, can be boring, but can also be riveting. The soccer, I tried and I tried and I tried and eh, not my world, not my world. Hey, the world is bigger than 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 me. So there, fortunately, there is a lot that that other people can enjoy, and there's a lot for me left. Let's talk about Legos during the peculiar bunch. <laughs> Catholics rock. <laughs> this is the segment where I talk about uh, Catholics and their strange customs and traditions and mysterious behavior sometimes. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? The people in the chat room that are watching this live on Facebook have been wondering about this quirky background. It's all purple and it features some really cutesy Lego characters. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. Even though I have not seen the second uh, Lego movie yet, uh, having a, a Lego-themed background seemed appropriate because of this topic that I wanted to talk about. You know that I'm uh, streaming uh, me building Hogwarts Castle, um, which is a huge build, thousands and thousands of bricks. Um, it's quite a process. I've reserved an entire room for building my Lego creations. And I've been streaming this, not because it's that riveting. It's more like I just sometimes when I'm building that castle, I just want to chat. And that's what I do. And so I've got it using the built-in camera of my um, MacBook uh, to to film me. And then I do split screen with eCam. And then there's uh, I've got a webcam, an old webcam uh, with a decent wide angle. that, And I'm filming my desk. So people can see me building this castle. It's a very slow process, and I'm painfully, uh, uh, let's say, maladroit in French. Um, I'm just not very good at Lego building. I always forget stuff, and then I'm like, I need to read every instruction five times before I understand what to do. So perhaps for a lot of people, this is very painful to watch. But I just enjoy it, and I like to chat. So well, give me a break. <laughs> so... Um, then, but because it's on Facebook Live, sometimes people are entering the chat room that have never seen me build Lego. They know me from TV or from the podcast, and they, or, or they don't know me at all, and they see a priest building Lego. So I got this question the other day of this guy who says, well, but, but 
you're building Lego? What is so spiritual? I mean, wh why is this spiritual? In other words, why is a priest wasting his time on building Lego stuff? Um, and so uh, I had a little talk, and I had to formulate it for myself. Of course, my, my first uh, reaction is, well, well, just because I like it. But then I thought a bit about it a little bit more and think, yeah, actually, there are some some connections with uh, my life as a priest. And there is actually a, I think, a spiritual virtue. There can be, not always, not automatically. But there can be a spiritual dimension to building Lego. And so let me explain briefly here. First of all, and I've, I've explained this in the past as well, uh, but I had a discussion uh, a couple of years ago with uh, Greg Willits, uh, my former uh, partner in crime when it came to podcasting. And uh, he discovered that he loved painting. But then he also had a full-time job and lots of responsibilities and he was doing the new, new evangelizers thing. And so it was like, he was like, well, I can't justify it. I, I like painting, but I, I don't want to even share it on social media because I'm afraid that people will criticize me for wasting my time doing something that is not useful for the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm kind of uh, 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 interpreting here. And so I, I told him something that I was taught when I was studying in Rome, uh, and I was doing a lot of creative stuff. I learned how to make radio, to make movies, do journalism, storytelling, etc. And one of the one in one of those lessons, uh, a teacher said, actually, creating, uh, making programs, making media, working in the media is not just um, uh, conveying information. It's not making a product because you have to deliver something. No, ultimately what you're doing is you're creating, you're co-creating with God. And so he, he's like, who in the Bible is portrayed as the creator with a capital C? It is the Holy Spirit. The, the, the creator spirit, when God creates the world and the universe, the Bible says there that his spirit his his breath was over the waters and that's what what created everything and so uh creation has everything to do with god who is presented to us as the creator the ultimate source of everything that is and that precedes and also sur surpasses everything that is because god is he is the essay <laughs> it's not god is not Something he is. And if I am, it's because God is the is in I am. This gets very metaphysical right now. And so, but he was basically saying, if God is a creator and you feel creative, it is because God created you according to his image. And so if you create, it is because it's the imprint of God himself who is a creator and also wants us to be creative. One of, one of the things you read in Genesis is that he invites Adam and Eve to name the animals. God didn't put a sticker on every, on the giraffe like, this from henceforth shall be called a giraffe. Thy shall not call it a hedgehog. No, God is like, okay, you go around, you walk around, just look at stuff and you just come up with names. And, and Adam and Eve are just walking around. It's like, oh, that's so lovely. Look at that. It's a butterfly. And Adam is like, that's a ridiculous word, a butterfly. It has nothing to do with butter and doesn't look like a fly. Okay, I'll go with that. If I can, if I can choose the next animal, <laughs> I'll call that a frog. What kind of word is that, Adam? A frog? F frog? That 
it almost sounds like vomiting. That's that's not a word. That's that's a lovely creature. It's sort of like, and Adam is like, well, just listen. And the frog is like, rock, rock. Yeah, kind of sounds like frog. But anyway, so Adam and Eve. Oh, this is turning into a sketch. <laughs> Adam and Eve are creating the names. God is not involved. He loves seeing them create all these names because they look. They are doing what God does and what God does best and what he loves doing. And so I told Greg, if you paint, you are actually co-creating with God. You, we are creative because it's the Holy Spirit that makes us creative. So if you paint a picture and people are criticizing you because you're wasting your time, you should be doing stuff, more godly stuff, then you can just reply, well, hey, God wants me to create because it is through his spirit that I can be creative. So if I open myself up to paint this picture, I'm actually allowing the Holy Spirit to work in me and to express beauty and truth and all the good stuff through this process of creating. And and I think it helped him. He told me afterwards that that really kind of took away his resentment or his um, hesitance to to show what he did and he became a, a great painter and loved doing it. Well, and, and I, I said that to the people that were watching me uh, building this castle. Of course, it's not a very creative exercise. I'm just rebuilding something that someone else came up with. But I'm still creating a work of beauty. And I'm still um, experiencing the joy of seeing coming something coming together out of almost nothing. I You have these bricks and it looks like nothing. You open a bag and he's like, what am I going to do with all these little tiny bricks? And then you start building and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I know what this is. This is a tower or this is this is the Great Hall or this is the Chamber of Secrets. And then, wow, like um, a half an hour ago there was just this bunch of bricks and I couldn't even see what it was. And look, it is now, it's something. It was nothing and now it's something. That is witnessing the the beauty of creation, isn't it? So, and beauty in itself, that's a, another thing that I said, beauty, uh, when you create beauty, you're actually getting very close to God. Be- beauty is one of the transcendentals. Uh, you see in Aristotle, also uh, uh, Thomas Aquinas, and before him, Albert, uh, St. Al- they're all, uh, these transcendentals are things that surpass like the the let's say, the, 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 the cultural situation, for instance, that they go beyond the, the location or a certain time. Uh, they're truth, beauty, goodness, unity. Um, there are different enumerations of these transcendentals, but the, the, the catechism of the Catholic Church takes that teaching from the Middle Ages, from these me- medieval <clears throat> philosophers and theologians, and says, well, in its, it, God is 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 knowable through those transcendentals. Tra- to transcend literally means goes beyond what is just earthly and, and human. Um, God himself is truth, is goodness, and is beauty. So if you create something that's beautiful, you that beautiful piece of art is in a way referring to the source of that beauty, which is God. And so I, I I will include a link in the or Inga will include a link in the in the show notes with the quote uh, of that particular uh, um, passage in uh, in the catechism, and so 
that that too. And and another thing that I mentioned is um, building a Lego castle has no use. There's no use at all. So many people have been building exactly the same build. I don't even. It's, there's no use in streaming this, other than it's just a way to pass time and to chat. But there are many YouTubers that are that have been filming their own experience of building that castle, and they do a much better job than I do. And they're much more like experts in building, etc. So why am I doing this? Well, because it's not useful. And it's good to do things in life from time to time, not always that are not useful, that have no particular purpose. Because it helps you to realize that life is about much more than just being productive, than being useful. There's so many in the people in the world that even can't even be useful in an economic sense of the word uh, that are just there. They are handicapped, they're old, they're blind, who knows, sick. But it doesn't mean that their life is... is has no purpose because they are not useful. That is the that's the logic of the of of the of a society uh, of a culture of death. See, you you only deserve to live when you're useful to others. If you're useful to the economy, if you're useful to society, well, a lot of artists are not useful, and it's probably also why they, a lot of artists are not paid enough because. And it's the first thing to go on a on a, on, a, on the budgets. I've, we've noticed that in in our own country with the political changes, and whenever there is the need to uh, I don't know save on money or the economy is in distress, what is the first thing that goes? Subsidies on art, because a lot of politicians think, and it's not they're not right, totally wrong. That art is just a luxury. It's not useful. No, it's not useful for survival. But it is extremely important for mankind and for our culture and for our future because art literally helps us transcend the here and now, helps us to dream, helps us to, to express our ideals, helps us to see ourselves in a mirror. And it has so many benefits that are not strictly economical but are still vital to who we are. You know who doesn't create art? Robots. They, they don't make art. Well, you can, you can program them to make art, but it's mimicry. But, but robots, droids, R2-D2 does not feel the need to create art. They're, they're functional. They, they do their job, and then when they have nothing else to do, if there's nothing more to translate for C C-3PO, then he asks Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, or actually Luke Skywalker, um, can I shut down? And Luke is like, okay, you know, you're not useful here, so just – and he shuts himself down. That is so so, but we don't. We're not robots. We're here. We're human beings. We actually art in our cell. Art in our world shows us and reminds us that we are made for something else than this world. Ultimately, beauty is what we will have left in heaven. Productivity is not useful. And if you if you can be a, a, a super productive and and uh, be great. Uh, great to you know add economic value to the world but in the afterlife there will be no use for that because god is the creator and he will give us everything we need love mostly <laughs> so but what will remain well i think these transcendentals they'll be with us in heaven there will be truth there will be beauty there will be goodness we don't have to work for it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that that is so much. What gives you the greatest joy in life? Is it is it is it work? 
Is it how much money you make? Is it the stuff you produce? Is it how efficient you are? No. The true, the true moments that make your life valuable are the moments where you can share fun stuff with your family, when you're with friends, when you discover something together, when you watch a great movie, or you 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 paint your house and then you you step back and you're 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 so proud of of uh, how what your living room now looks like and you share that with with your family. That those are the moments that we cherish and those are the the things that we should do. And, and in, in my work, you know, what I like most is like this past weekend I made an episode about my time in France. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, that is – those images are beautiful and I love France. And I I took like stuff that I filmed for a vlog without really any afterthought, definitely not without a, a, a connecting story. I created a story based on those images I, and I created something new that wasn't there. And it's a sequence of images that were already there. It's an enumeration of facts. But I created a story. And and that was not there before. And and then I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, that was awesome. Oh, it also kills me because I'm working so, so many hours. But that is what I love to do. That is why I'm continuing to work in the media. Because I love to tell stories. I love to create things. I'm 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 working overtime to bring you this podcast because I love to share these things that I've discovered and, and that add value to me, my life. I love to share them with you. And that is that is what I care for so much more than 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 the technicalities and how my sound uh, sounds and the microphone, the recorder. That's uh, yeah, it's important, but it's not why I do this. It's because I can share something of value that transcends what is useful. I still hope that it this is sometimes useful and helps you, but but it's because I'm sharing stuff that is actually not about the the usefulness or the economic value of of life. So anyway, that is why I think. Building Lego, if you keep these things in mind, can help you understand more about God and about life and about the transcendentals. Who would think that you could connect Thomas Aquinas and Lego? Well, that's what I did here on the show. <laughs> when did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Speaking of useless things, it's reading fiction. That is so not useful. I mean, reading self-help books or, or books that help you become a better manager or whatever, yeah, that is useful. Or, or technical books that teach you how to program in whatever Fortran or is that even still used? I don't know. But reading fiction, you're wasting your time. <laughs> yeah. And I love it. And I love to read about other people's creative stories. Um, I recently, I just, I'm just going to mention two books that I added, or there's a series and one other book that I've added to my reading list. Um, Timothy Zahn, and Timothy Zahn, of course, is the author uh, of the Heir to the Empire series, an amazing uh, uh, Star Wars uh, series. And he wrote uh, two books about, um, uh, what's his word, what's his name? Uh, Thrawn, Admiral Thrawn, this blue-skinned uh, bad guy that is genius. Just such a s- iconic Star Wars uh, bad guy. Uh, but he also writes a lot of other 
science fiction stuff. And 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 these this series was on sale uh, just a few days ago on on Amazon. I picked it up because Timothy's on. But also, I like the premise. It's uh, it's called Quadrail, and it's a story about these spaceships that are almost like trains in the future. And then there are murders taking place on those trains, and those murders have to be solved. So it's Agatha Christie meets Star Wars. That is a perfect tagline. And because they were really dirt cheap, like $1.99 for the first three books and then $2.99 for the fourth and the fifth book. Now I've got the entire complete series. Um, I also look at the always look at the reviews, and a lot of the re- reviewers said it's an easy read. I like easy reads from time to time. <laughs> There's a lot of the complicated science fiction that's very heavy-handed, and it's like, oh, i got to concentrate so much on, on the storyline. Eh, just give me an easy read. I just I, I, I don't mind pulp science fiction. <laughs> so and I know with Zahn it's going to be more than just pulp. So looking forward to reading that. And then I bought a useful book to read. Um, it's a, a biography of St. Paul, the Apostle Paul, written by N.T. Wright. He's an Anglican writer and, and theologian. Um, it's, it's, it's actually quite recent. It's based on, on pretty recent insights in uh, uh, biblical studies. Uh, but Wright also tries to expand it just beyond the texts of Paul, something that we focused on a lot during our theology studies, um, and, and trying to also make this character, this, this person, this apostle, more multidimensional. So kind of talks about well, what what is going on in his life and what state of mind put this, puts that in. It. Still, based on on pretty good you know scientific uh, uh, research. Uh, but it also kind of broadens it. It's, it's, uh, I've heard good stories about it. Now, it's an Anglican writer. Does that concern me? Um, I'm, I'm sometimes a bit wary when, I, when I'm picking up Protestant books, but it will sometimes, well, not always, but sometimes it will have like very um, clear, like a prejudice towards the Catholic view of things, or especially if you read theology books. Um, with scripture, well, I'm not. I'm usually not that 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 afraid that it will. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Go go against what I've learned. And and even if it did, does that matter? Sometimes I mean, I'm I'm I've studied theology. I'm a scholar. I've done a, quite a bit of uh, exegesis. I I think I can handle that. <laughs> I'm not afraid to step out of my own bubble, and um, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. But. You know, this book gets good reviews, not just from Anglican and Protestant reviewers, but also from uh, some Catholic reviewers. And, and not to mention that this, uh, some of the stuff that is in that there's a movie about Paul that I haven't seen yet. I think Caviezel, who also played Jesus, also plays St. Paul. So that gets very com- confusing in the multiverse. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, said, I, haven't, I haven't seen that movie. I heard it wasn't really that good. But I first want to read this book and then watch the movie. Because I think that um, both will help help me understand Paul a little bit better. One of the things that I read in the reviews was that actually it's it's, it's uh, sometimes Paul is 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 uh, portrayed as uh, this uh, misogynistic women hater, whereas Wright demonstrates that actually Paul was quite the opposite. In 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 following Jesus, he was actually quite revolutionary in his attitude towards women. Um, so I look forward to reading that. Um, so that's that's my that's my list of books. Um, and of course, if you know any of these books, I'm always looking for. I, I love to read what you thought of those books. Let's talk science for a second here, because we need to talk about opportunity. And I'm not talking about opportunity in a general sense, but our dear opportunity that has been roving around on the planet of Mars. But unfortunately, 
it's over. It's all over. No more opportunities. Well, the opportunity is still there. It's just that we can't take advantage of it anymore. Oh, this is a long intro to the jingle. Get on with it. Five, four, three. The scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. So Opportunity landed on Mars on January the 24th, 2004. That's an eternity ago. This is seven months after it was launched from Cape Canaveral in Florida. That's a pretty fast trip. (laughs) The rover was designed to last just 90 days on Mars and to travel about uh, 1,100 yards. But it did so much more. Since 2004, it's been continuing to send us pictures, to do research, and so it has exceeded its, its life expectancy by 60 times, and instead of traveling just a mere 1,100 yards, it traveled more than 28 miles. This is, I mean, unbelievable. And then Opportunity also did a lot of really groundbreaking stuff. Um, on March the 20, 20th, 2005, so about a year later after his, uh, it first landed, it traveled 220 meters, which set a Mars driving record. 220 meters. I mean, try running 220 meters. <laughs> and then imagine doing that on solar power. Yeah, that's quite something. Um, he sent back, I'm just assuming it's a he. I don't know why. Be a she, but eh. it <laughs> returned more than 217,000 images, including 15 360 degree color, color panoramas, which of course consist of many, many images. I had no idea. 217,000 images. That's crazy. Um, it also exposed the surfaces of 52 rocks to reveal fresh mineral surfaces for an analysis and cleared 72 additional targets with a brush to prepare them for inspection with spectrometers and a microscopic imager. It also found hermatite. It's a mineral that forms in water at the landing site. That was spectacular. Those are indications that there is was water on Mars, and of course by now we know that there still is water on Mars in frozen form, discovered strong indications at Endeavor Crater of the action of ancient water similar to the drinkable water of a pond or a lake on Earth. That is such amazing stuff. And it's all done within that lifespan that nobody expected 15 years instead of 90 days. Wow. But unfortunately... A storm, a sandstorm, struck this little Opportunity rover. And after the sandstorm, there was no more life. There there were no more signals. And uh, scientists of NASA have been doing everything they could. Uh, They sent commands, more than a thousand commands, trying to restore. And they've been so resourceful over time to kind of bring back to life satellites and then, you know, these these little uh, uh, rovers on, on other planets and... Uh, but unfortunately, they they couldn't bring it back to life. So it's kind of like the, <laughs> if 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 um, it almost sounds like like the the plot of uh, of the Martian. You know, these these sandstorm on, storms on Mars are so lethal. So uh, this past week, they have uh, the, given up 
And uh, the, the rover's final communication was received on June the 20th. And I think there is kind of this ro almost romantic final tweet, like, it's getting dark. <laughs> it's like, oh, you almost feel for this little rover. Somehow, I always imagine these rovers to look like Wally. Of course, they'd look totally different, but Wally, kind of like you feel just as much as I empathize with Wally in the in the Disney movie, I empathize with these little brave rovers. And of course, I'm anthropomorphizing, but I'm I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, oh, such a, such a cute little rover. And now it's all over. I hope that he'll get that his friends will get sent there soon, so we can have some more adventures on Mars. Seriously, Disney or Pixar should make a movie about uh, about uh, Rover, about opportunity. <laughs> All right, how much time have we been uh, chatting around? I think it's time to uh, wrap things up here. Um, and, of course, next week we'll talk a little bit more. Uh, wow. Okay, thank you so much for listening, and uh, I'll uh, continue a little bit of chatter after I've, I'm done recording this, and that's for my patrons who support me over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick. And, and uh, I can't believe it three new patrons in February. That's awesome. If you can help, if you want to help, check it out. And you'll get access also to the after show. Take care. See you next week. Bye.